Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Stretch Goose Podcast. My name is Manuel, and all by myself today, no sidekick. I know all of you are excited to have another run with the uh, the great one, but he is unavailable today. So I'm going to um, come out here and read a few news stories and just kind of make a couple of announcements before I dive into that. Um, the first thing that I want to dis- I want to bring up is that these uh, um, episodes, if you will, are going to drop Sunday night. So that way, Monday morning, you guys wake up, you jump into your cars, you get going, and you get a whole dose of Manuel and George. And in the middle of all of that, I'm going to, at least some point during the week, I'm not going to I'm not going to stick to an actual day, but I'm going to go ahead and record you know, what you're listening to right now, which is basically just news, 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 news. I'm going to read you two, maybe three news stories, and then just bow on out of here just to kind of keep you guys up to date as to what's going on, you know, different parts of the world, things like that. So let's just dive right in. The uh, first one is uh, tax refund debit cards out here in California are, um, are, are, being drained, mysteriously drained, and this is from uh, KCRA Sacramento. Um, as more middle-class tax refund debit cards hit mailboxes, some Californians have had money from their card drained of its funds before they've been able to use it. Three consumers have reached out to KCRA 3 Investigates to report similar issues with their California Inflation Relief debit cards. One Northern California resident said she activated the card, set up the PIN, and never used it, only to find out that somebody spent all the money on her card at a TJ Maxx in Burbank, California. Another Northern California resident said all of the money from his debit card was stolen and used in Southern California. And Micah Ledesma of Manteca said his hundreds of dollars from his mother's card was also used in Southern California as well as New Jersey. And here is a quote here saying, I am mad about it because this isn't something we should have to worry about, Ledesma said. Ledesma's mother did not want to speak with us on camera, but gave her son permission to share the story. Ledesma sent KCRA3 the account summary for his mother's debit card. It showed three purchases in the Manteca area for food and gas. Somehow someone was able to make $270 purchase at a Hallmark in Laguna, a $320 purchase at a party city in Mission Viejo, and a $5 purchase at a store in New Jersey. Wow, they're really moving that fucking money around. We're tired of doing another restaurant, and the cashier said it wasn't working, so we so we had to swap and use our regular money. Oh, you poor fucking baby. Somebody stole that money that you were going to treat yourself with rather than, you know, use it wisely like, you know, pay a bill or put gas in your car or do something useful. Instead, you decided to go and treat yourself with restaurants and all other bullshit and somebody else beat you to it, you poor fucking baby. It wasn't until, and the quote continues here, it wasn't until later that night when she logged in and saw the list of charges draining the account, Ledesma brought his mother's debit card to the interview to show us that they still have it in their possession, but someone else is using it. We were all a little panicked because we weren't sure what was going on. He said, we fought 
we thought someone had written down the numbers, but we think our main idea is that it was skimmed with a card. He believes that was the case because the card does not have a chip. <clears throat> KCR3 investigates obtain a copy of the state's contract with the bank responsible for the credit cards. According to the contract, the debit cards are supposed to have security chips. But California's Franchise Tax Board allowed the bank to issue some of the cards without chips because of supply chain issues. Officials said if they were to wait for the security chips to become available, issuing the cards would take longer. You know what? Who gives a shit if they take longer? It's not your, You weren't using the money anyway. You didn't expect it, so why are you fucking whining about it? This is not the first time Californians have received debit cards without chips. During previous KCRA3 investigations in debit cards at California's EDD and CalWork cards, detectives showed us how thieves are able to drain people's debit cards in a matter of seconds by using skim devices. Skimmers are card readers that capture magnetic strip data off of the card. KCRA 3 cannot confirm if Ledesma's mother had her card information stolen by someone else skimming with a skimming device. We can, conf we can confirm all three consumers who reached out to us live in Northern California and, and thieves use the information in Southern California and out of state. Ledesma said his mother was issued a new card with her remaining balance after a customer service rep confirmed someone else used her funds. The card is scheduled to arrive in December with the remaining balance. So I'm assuming she's not going to get the money that was spent. I'm hoping the new card has a chip on it, Ledesma says. KCRA 3 sent various questions to the Franchise Tax Board and asked a spokesperson to commit to comment on the story. Officials said they are working to get us answers. How about you just, you know, I don't know, direct deposit that shit and avoid the card altogether? That's all I'm saying. This is from the Times Standard. A Crescent City man is sentenced to 43 years to life over McKinleyville mur attempted murder. On Thursday, a Crescent City man who was convicted of sneaking into a McKinleyville's home homeowner's backyard and shooting at the resident through the window on June 24, 2021, was sentenced to 43 years to life in a state prison. Israel Sora... Who is, in who is in custody, was convicted by a jury of attempted murder, attempted robbery, shooting at an inhabited dwelling, and burglary, in addition to several special allegations, finding that the attempted murder was premeditated. He caused great bodily inju injury to the home's occupants, Dylan Eubanks, who was shot in the arm and used a firearm in the crime. Because of his age, he is eligible for a youth offender parole hearing on the 20th year of his incarceration. He is now 22 and was 21 when the crime was committed. At his sentencing, <coughs> excuse me, Sora read from a statement he wrote apologizing to Eubanks, the Holmes, two other occupants, and Humboldt County for his crimes. It's not who my mom raised me to be, yet I still shot the fucking bullets into the house fucking moron he added that witnessing the birth of his son which happens at which happened after his arrest but before the trial instilled within him a value for life that is not that had not been previously present within him 
His 11-month-old son, wife, and family members were present at the sentencing. The sentence handed down by Judge Christopher Wilson was less than what was sought by the DA's office, but Wilson noted the tragic circumstances extend beyond Eubanks' injury and that by committing his crime, Sora harmed his own family as well. Quote, The offenses are horrible and unspeakable. Mr. Sora is young, recently married, and has an 11-month-old child who he loves very much, Wilson says. How does he know that? How, do, how the fuck does he know that? I mean, he could be just bullshitting you to get out, you know, or get a lesser sentence or whatever. During the trial, witnesses heard testimony from several parties, including the arresting officer, Sora himself, and a recorded confession in which Sora said he was paid by a gang to kill Eubanks and recover the 200 pounds of marijuana that Eubanks supposedly stole from them. Officers found drugs inside the home, but no investigative steps were taken to determine the owner of the marijuana. The jury acquitted Sora on the first count, alleging that he conspired to commit the crime, but Tim argued that ultimately Sora's alleged gang affiliations do not matter in light of the fact that he attempted to commit a premeditated murder, a charge the jury found him guilty of doing. During the trial, Sora's defense attorney, Christina Dorado, argued that Sora was in his, in his words while he testified high as, high as balls. Okay, so he was fucked up when he did it during the crime and was attempting to defend himself from Eubanks who Sora said had pointed a rifle at him from inside the home when he saw him standing at the backyard window this was a dangerous horrible set of decisions which Mr. Sora is eternally sorry for she says at the sentencing hearing arguing the court considered the level of criminal sophistication in the case Tim urged Wilson to impose the maximum 57 Fucking years, Jesus Christ, to life in order to send a message that attempted murder within the county will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. His dangerous conduct needs punishment, Tim said. Tim added, added that if Sora behaves well in prison, he will be there to speak on his behalf at his parole hearing. The maximum parole period for Sora's offense can last a lifetime. Uh, his attorney noted that at the sentencing hearing that she plans to file notice of appeal on his behalf. That is insane. And now let's get to uh, Blavity. Um, Blavity.com. I don't know what, what kind of website this is, but the story is interesting. HBCU student arrested for not apologizing to the white professor in the classroom. Now this this article, they're going to really let you know that there were a white professor and white officers at a historically black uh, college. Black student, uh, let's so let's get going here. Black student was arrested at Winston-Salem State University on Tuesday for not apologizing to the white professor, Dr. Cynthia Villagomez, called campus police on Lila Marie after she declined to revise her final presentation. Videos have surfaced showing Marie handcuffed in a classroom and being led out by police. You're getting me taken out in handcuffs because I won't apologize, she says. Marie was ultimately released with bruises. Oh, we have to emphasize the bruises, by the way. And a second-degree misdemeanor. She explained her side of the story, detailing 
the stages of the argument that led to her arrest. During an Instagram Live, Marie alleges Villagomez told her on short notice that her group project was incorrect and needed to be revised. The project was due to be presented on the same day. Marie decided not to redo the, the assignment and still came to class wanting to present with her group, and Villagomez told her it would greatly impact her grade. Okay. First off, she was told to redo it. She chose not to. So we're already we're already getting, you know, into the battle, if you will. According to News One, Marie alleges the two began yelling at each other before the professor told Marie to leave the class. Marie refused to leave the class. Villagomez reported the incident to another professor, which led to the police being called. Marie explained since she and the professor both refused to apologize to each other. The white campus officer instructed the black officer to arrest Marie. She alleges the black officer was doing his best not to arrest, but she was placed in handcuffs when a white officer arrived. Marie takes accountability for dropping F-bombs, but feels she was not guilty of anything else. She was arrested for an equivalent of resisting arrest, which is known as an RDO, According to WXI-12, a lengthy statement from the HBCU was released acknowledging that they were aware of the incident. It also supports the police in trying to defuse the incident with, within campus regulations. The statement also reports an investigation will take place following the uh, allegations that Marie has made. As many of you, and here's another quote, as many of you know, there was an incident this morning involving a student and a faculty member that has escalated on social media. We now have more information regarding the event and want to share some key information with our campus community. The statement says, uh, continues regarding the incident, the university has a process we must follow when there is a reported disturbance anywhere on campus. We received a report that there was a significant commotion in Carolina Hall this morning. As such, a, a WSSU employee nearby called for the assistance of law enforcement after they tried de-escalation. We understand that the weaponization of police is, is, a, is as prevalent a problem in our community. However, that is not what happened in this incident. We strive for a safe, inclusive, thriving, and intellectual community where all our faculty, staff, and students feel respected and supported. To that end, we will take swift and appropriate measures against any situation to court that contradicts the ideals. The statement also says we know this situation has caused a great deal of trauma to those involved in our campus community at large, but please know that every available resource is being extended to bring a resolution. Marie has decided not to re not to return or continue her studies at the college. I will no longer be representing WSSU, she said on her Instagram Live. I can say that with a whole lot of confidence that I don't feel like WSSU deserves my representation. Y'all had me arrested for not apologizing to a white professor, she said. I came here for a really different experience from the one that I got and really 100% thought I would have gotten arrested at a PWI before getting arrested at my HBCU. She is scheduled to appear in court January 25th. 
And that is all three news stories, kids. Hopefully, um, you guys enjoyed some of that. Nice little little tales. And the last one, the 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 uh, student and the white professor and all that, is kind of is kind of going to be something that I'm going that I'm putting together that's going to go into the next one. Um, I I'm really f- trying to understand why the people of color are never ever held accountable for their actions. I mean, we just I just read you one right now where she is told to revise her her assignment, she refuses to, then she's told that it's going to affect her grade. She claims it's on short notice. Now in a normal normal people, you sit there and you go through that and you say, "Okay, well, then if it then w- let's let's try to figure out how I can present this and get a full, you know, the full grade." and talk to the teacher in private. Instead, it becomes an entitled black woman shouting at a white professor, although I don't think she's white with a with a name like Villa Gomez, but what do I know? And, and in the end, it becomes the white person versus the black person, the white, this person versus that, you know, white versus black. And yet, it seems to be pointed one way and the you know to the white person but yet the black person isn't held accountable you know for what they did you know or for the reactions they decided to take and that's just something that that's really been kind of sitting on my head for a little bit because it's always interesting how they the, the door is only swinging one way and i'm going to do my best to to research and put something together for the next episode with with uh with my sidekick George and we're going to dive into this and try to figure this out and and really just hammer that stuff and try to uh get some kind of an answer for you anyway anyway that's uh that's it kids thank you all for listening thank you all for being a part of this and uh see you on the next one later <laughs>